Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Today we're wrapping up this series um, called Speak Up. And really during this series, it's been incredible the amount of things that God has given us the opportunity to do. Um, a few weeks ago, we went and helped a ton of single moms and widows in our church help fix up their homes. We've sponsored kids in Johannesburg, South Africa. We've given them renewable gifts so that they could help lift their families up out of their uh, situations. Um, we have brought items to sell in the Love 146 resale shop. We provided kits for refugees. And so today we're going to learn how we can speak up for people in our area who are poor. Now, I know it seems like there's probably not any people in our area who are poor because the truth is we don't drive by and see that sort of situation very much. But the most conservative demographic data for our area says that there are at least 15,000 people in our community representing more than 3,000 families who live below the poverty line. And multiple studies say the number is almost double that. So they are here. We just don't see them very much. And, and honestly, I used to think that, you know, if people who are poor would just work harder, that they can lift themselves out of poverty. You know, I was, I was led to believe that there's just this enormous number of people that are out there that just aren't working and they're content to live off the government. But after researching poverty and talking to organizations who work with people in poverty, that is not true for most people. That what the media has portrayed is not entirely accurate. Shocking, right? Like, oh, how did that happen? Who knows, right? But it's really true. Now, look, now there are people, look, there are people out there who are living off the government. I mean, I, and, and that they can work. But the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 3.10 that if any are not willing to work, they should not eat. And what the Bible means by that is if, if somebody is able to and they can work, that they should not be given free food. They could go work for it. But when I talk to organizations that work with people who are in poverty, what the stories that I hear and what they say is that most people who are in poverty are not there because they want to be. They are there because of a, a series of events have happened that are outside of their control. And so now they find themselves in an impoverished situation and they just simply can't get out. For instance, um, this last week I was talking to a lady in our church. And I mean, she's so nice. She's married. She lives in a really nice home. She's got a you know nice car. And she's just as nice as the day is long. And I, we were talking about this series. And she said, hey, um, you might not know this, but I used to live in poverty. It's like, what? Like, you've got to be kidding. Okay, tell me the story. And so she told me the story. And she's given me permission to share it with you today. She said this. She said, um, she said my dad never loved me growing up. And then when he got remarried, um, I didn't get along with my stepmom either. I was 14 years old, kind of sassy. And so you can imagine that it was not a good family situation, okay? Um, this, the lady's name, her name is Annette. 
And uh, like I said, she'd give me permission to tell this story. And so she said, anyway, one day she really got into it with her dad and her dad started yelling and said, get out of the house now. And so he threw her out of the house when she was 14 years old. She didn't have any money. She didn't have anywhere to go. So she just for a couple of weeks, she just went from friend to friend and just kind of stayed at their house for a couple of weeks. Um, and then her grandmother, who was in Australia at the time, called and said, well, I have a trailer home that I'm not using right now. You can go live there. And so she lived in an RV park without an adult all by herself. And so um, she said, I still didn't have any money. Get this. So I ended up babysitting for a prostitute at night while she went out to work. She said, I knew it was wrong, but I didn't have any money. I didn't have anything else to do. But she says that the prostitute was so kind and nice to me. Like she was, she said she would talk to me and tell me what not to do so that I didn't end up living a life like hers. And she said, honestly, without the kindness of that prostitute, who knows where I would have ended up. Anyway, Annette says, um, I became pregnant by my boyfriend. We got married and moved into a mobile home of our own after my grandmother had sold hers. Um, <clears throat> but once the baby came along, they were so young, they ended up getting a divorce. And so here she is at 17 years old already divorced, baby in tow, and now she has no place to live. And her dad, the one who originally kicked her out, now was gained custody of her baby because she had no home. And it was at this point that she started living out of her car, which was a green VW bug. And she says, I stole food and other items to sell just so that I could have money to eat. She says, then a very kind couple in their 70s found out about my situation. They told me how dangerous it was for me to be living out of my car. And they, they told me that they had a tiny RV that they weren't using that I could live there free of charge. Um, and so I took them up on their offer. She said, I knew I had to get my life together or I was never going to get custody of my baby back. Um, I worked a minimum wage job because I had long dropped out of school. But even though I had a free place to live, I was barely making ends meet. She said, but every Friday when I would get off work and I would come to that little RV, there was a sack of groceries sitting on the step provided by that elderly couple. And that was the food I had that got me through the next week. She said, eventually <clears throat> I was able to better my situation, get out of poverty and get my son back. But she says, but without that prostitute and without those people letting me live in their RV and giving me groceries, I never would have made it out of poverty. And she says, who knows where my life would be today? She said, and looking back, I can see God's kindness to me then, even though at the time I didn't even believe in him. I mean, I'm telling you, as she was telling me the story, I mean, I just sat there just stunned. Because I'm telling you, to look at her, you would never guess. You would never guess that this is part of her story. And 
but with no family, no place to live, no education, no way to make money. I mean, her options were incredibly limited. And until a prostitute and a couple in their 70s helped her, she had no real way of getting out of poverty. See, that's the kind of story that most people who are in poverty have. Uh, you know, you know, before they were in poverty, you know, they just lived paycheck to paycheck, just financially on the edge. But then something traumatic happens. They get kicked out. Someone goes to jail. There's um, a, a, a long protracted illness. Medical bills pile up. Car breaks down and they're not able to get, work, get to work so they lose their job. You know, bottom line, it, there's an event that starts a snowball effect. And so now because they don't have any income coming in, they can't pay the light bill. Because they can't pay the light bill, the refrigerator now gets turned off. And because the refrigerator is turned off, now they can't store food. And so they have to eat at the time-wise or they've got to eat fast food, which is more expensive. And so now they can't pay their rent. Because they can't pay the rent, they eventually get evicted. Once they get evicted, that ruins their credit score. So the next time they go and try to get an apartment, the deposit is so high they can't afford it. I mean... See, do you, do you see how there's a spiraling effect here? And that's what happens. But, and without outside help, uh, they, they just can't get out of poverty. And, and I know, I, I, I am oversimplifying a little bit, but I, what I want you to see is that most people who are in poverty aren't there because they're lazy. That's not the case. And when, and when our Heavenly Father looks down, and he sees people who want to change their status in life, but just can't. That's when he, when he expects you and I to step in. So pull out your message notes and let's find out how. Okay, here's the first thing that I need to do. Well, when I, when I, I need to ask this question. How does God want me to speak up for local, pe- local families in poverty? First thing I need to do is this. I need to ask God to soften my heart. I need to ask God to soften my heart. Proverbs 29, 7 says this. It says, the righteous care about justice for the poor. I want you to underline, care about justice for the poor. But the wicked have no such concern. Now look, I'm willing to bet you that everybody listening to me today would say, I care. I I care about the poor. You do. You care about the poor. I get that. But the Bible doesn't say that you're supposed to care about the poor. It says that you are to care about justice for the poor. And what that means is, is that you have to care enough about, the, about poor people that you make sure they get a fair chance in life. That's what the way the word is used. That's what it means. It means that you have to get past just good intentions. You can't just intend to help and then not actually do anything to help. I mean, for instance, like I intend to get all the dishes done before Amy gets home, but I end up watching Netflix, okay? And so when she gets home, my intentions don't matter, right? I intend to eat only two Thin Mints, but I eat the whole sleeve, right? (laughs) Some of you have done this, okay? At that point, intentions don't matter. It only matters what you do. And so our Heavenly Father is asking that you don't just intend to do something, that you actually go and do 
something, that you do something. So let me ask this question. What did you do last year to help people who are poor? What did you do last year to help people who are poor? Now I'll be the first to confess. I didn't do nearly as much as I had intended to do. Like in past years, uh, Amy and I and the kids, like we've gone to multiple food distribution centers and we've distributed food to poor people on Saturdays. And it's been, it's really a great thing to do. It's really fun. But yeah, I mean, we, for whatever reason, we, like, we just didn't do it as much last year as we had in the past. I mean, I guess I was home like watching Netflix and eating Thin Mints. I mean, I don't really know. But it just didn't happen for whatever reason. And so, for you, you know, maybe you've been judgmental about people who live in poverty. Ask God to soften your heart. Because here's the thing. You don't know what they've been through. I'm telling you, you don't know their story. You know, or maybe for you, you like you've intended to do more. But for whatever reason, just... It just didn't happen. Ask God to soften your heart to the point where you care enough to get past intentions and go and do something. Ask Him to soften your heart. Now, the second thing that we've got to do is this. I need to help not just once, but as a part of my life. I need to help not just once, but as a part of my life. Look what Deuteronomy 15, 11 says. It says, there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and toward the poor and needy in your land. Now look, I hate, I hate to you know, give you a spoiler, but here's the deal. We're never going to fix poverty. It's never going to happen. The, one of the reasons it's never going to happen is because the Bible says it's not. He says that we're always going to have poor people with us. Second reason it's never going to happen is because fixing poverty is not a simple fix. Look, if it was simple, we'd have fixed it by now. Poverty is an incredibly complex situation. And so there is no one-size-fits-all type of fix. For instance, there's situational poverty, which is caused by a sudden crisis, a disaster, a divorce, or a health problem. Then there's generational poverty, where two or more generations have lived in poverty, so now there's no hope, there's no vision, there's no, not even a desire to get out of poverty. There's absolute poverty, where there's such a lack of just basic essentials, like shelter or water, that survival is the goal. Like, it's not getting out, it's just to survive. Then there's urban poverty, where there's a breakdown in programs and uh, services that keep people impoverished. And then on the flip side, there's rural poverty, which there's an absence of programs and services, so those people you know, remain poor. And I'm not even talked about yet about paycheck advance services, which specifically target low-income people, promising them to get their paycheck early, but instead charge them exorbitant interest, further enslaving them in poverty. And I've not also mentioned government programs that de-incentivize work. Because if a person decides, I'm going to work hard and so I can get to this income level, when they get to that level, their government benefits go away. So why would someone work hard to be at this level when they can maintain their government assistance and stay at the same level? 
So why would somebody work hard to do this when they could just sit around and do, it and do nothing? Well, they wouldn't. Now look, that should really make you mad. But don't get mad at the person. Get mad at the government for creating these poverty traps for people. That's the problem. And so look, I tell you all this, I say all this, to say that there's no silver bullet fix for poverty. But get this. God doesn't command you to fix poverty. He says, you're always going to have the poor with you. But instead, he says, be open-handed. That's the command. Be open-handed when it comes to people who are poor. It's because when that poor person gets to the place in his or her life where they're deciding what they're going to believe, that they'll remember it's the kindness of the Christian that made the difference. That when that person is starting to recount their story of their time in poverty, that they will be able to say that it was the Christians who did not look on me you know, with judgment, did not look down their nose at me, did not shake their finger at me, but instead only had kind words, only had a loving look in their eyes and an open hand. And if that's the kind of person that Christians are and how they treated me when I was in poverty, then that's the kind of person I want to become. But it's not going to happen unless we do what God says and be open-handed. I'm not talking about a handout. I'm not talking about those people who can work and should work but aren't. I'm talking about being open-handed and doing what it takes to genuinely help people. It might mean making sure that there's a sack of groceries on their front step every Friday because that's what they need to make it through the week. I don't know what it would look like, but God says, be open-handed. Not just once, but that's how we live. Okay. Third thing God says to us is this, is that I need to understand that helping others is the same as helping Jesus. Helping others is the same as helping Jesus. Honestly, for me, this imagery is so incredibly powerful. In this passage, Jesus um, gives us a glimpse of what Judgment Day is going to look like. And here's what Jesus says is going to happen on that day. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 35. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was alone and away from home, and you invited me into your house. I was without clothes, and you gave me uh, something to wear. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the good people will answer, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and give you food or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you alone and away from home and invite you into our house? When did we see you without clothes and give you something to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and care for you? Then the king will answer, I tell you the truth. Anything you did for even the least of my people here, you also did for me. This means that the Lord keeps track when you help people. He keeps track. So when you support your World Vision child or your Impact Africa child every month, you know, when you buy a renewable gift or when you, for a kid, or when you donate to the Love 146 resale shop or you pack a kit for a refugee 
or you help out a single mom or a widow, or you do something to be open-handed to those that are in poverty. It says that the Lord keeps record of that. He keeps record of those things. And anytime you help, anytime you speak up for someone who can't speak up for themselves, it's as if you've done it for Jesus himself. And, and when you get to heaven, you will see that you're, you really, you've been doing things for him. And the Bible says that people are going to say, well, Lord, when? Like, when did we help you with all that? Because the truth is, I'm pretty sure I would remember it if it was you. And Jesus will look at you in that day and he will say, just as much as you did it, even for the least of people, it's as if you were doing it for me. I mean, that is so incredibly powerful. So if you can keep that sort of imagery in your mind, it makes it so much easier to be open-handed. Because the truth is, it's really easy just to pass judgment. It's really easy to you know, go find other things to do or to justify not helping. It's so easy just to look the other way. But if you can remember that you're helping Jesus himself, then one day you'll see. And he'll reward you for it. He will. So, what can I practically do to help people in poverty? What can I practically do? Well, here's the big thing. I can distribute food at the food fair on March 11th, April 8th, or May 13th, okay? I want you to look at this. All of these dates that you can go to the food fair and distribute food, all of these dates are on Saturdays, okay? We've partnered with an organization called Family Hope. Uh, the founder of that organization actually attends church here at the park. And what they do is um, once a month, they um, contract with the Houston Food Bank and they buy a, a, a semi-truck of food that they distribute to people in our area who are poor. And they do it for free. They meet at Riverbend Baptist Church and that's the distribution where they distribute the food. And then people come and the, the food is all divided up into like equal shares and they give it to people who are poor. And some families, you know, pick up food for other families who don't have a car and have no other way to get there. But they do it uh, the second, generally the second Saturday of every month. Uh, now, here's where you come in. The food from the Houston Food Bank comes on these pallets and it has to be sorted and you know, put in bags so it can be distributed. And so we're going to arrive at 8.45 in the morning on these three Saturdays. We're going to sort the food, and then we're going to deliver it. We're going to give it to the people as they drive up, and um, that way they can get their food that will help them make it through the month. And we've, now, we've done this before, and the response has been incredible, Okay. Um, and I want you to pick one of these Saturdays and volunteer. Maybe pick multiple Saturdays and volunteer. Now look, this first one, that's this Saturday. I know it's the first Saturday of spring break. So if you're not going anywhere spring break, then volunteer this Saturday. And now all these Saturdays, these, this is a great project that you can bring your kids to so they can, they can begin to learn what it looks like to help people who are impoverished. I mean, it's a great, great project, okay? Um, and maybe you want to volunteer all the Saturdays. I, I don't really know. But again, you can do it and bring your kids. Now, like all the projects we've done in this series, my hope and desire is that this is not just a one and done sort of thing. That 
that helping people who are poor just becomes a part of your life. Because look, remember the foundational scripture for this entire series. In um, Proverbs 31.8, it says this. says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. You know, and the truth is, we as a church, we have done some huge things in just these last four weeks of this series. But look, here's what we can't do. We can't just, you know, pat ourselves on the back and say, good job, way to go. Okay, so what's the next series? No. Like, we can't do that. We have to continually speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Okay? And that could look like a lot of different things. So for you. Maybe it looks like that you continually support children from World Vision or Impact Africa, their Impact Kids program. Maybe for you it means that you decide you're going to go on one of our church mission trips to Johannesburg, South Africa, where you can visit your World Vision child. You can visit your Impact Africa child. Maybe for you it means that you become part of one of our volunteer teams that regularly goes out to help you know, work on the homes of the widows and single moms in our church. Maybe for you, you've joined one of our other volunteer teams that regularly does projects with Love 146 to help end child human trafficking. Or perhaps for you, it means that you're going to volunteer every Saturday, every, you know, once a month or maybe every other month at Family Hope and help distribute food to the poor. Or maybe it means that you're going to do something else, that you're going to work with the homeless or that you're going to work with people with special needs, or you're going to help work to provide clean water for people in third world countries. I mean, I don't really know what you're going to do or what you could do, but you could be in a lot of things. But the point is, don't just speak up once and then go silent. That's what we cannot do. That's not, the, that, and that's not what God wants us to do. Because... We, if we as Christ followers don't continually help people, who will? I mean, who will? Honestly, it really reminds me of what Jesus does for us. See, when God looked down and he saw that we were all separated from him because of our sin, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that his death could pay the price for our sin so that if we would choose to accept that sacrifice for our own lives, that we could have a relation with God here on this earth and go to heaven when we die. But God didn't just send Jesus to die for us and then went dark. God continues to help us. He continues to answer our prayers. He continues to meet us in our time of need. He continues to love us and forgive us and provide for us and guide us in decisions. He continues, and we have a relationship with Him that is ongoing. God just didn't you know, speak up for us once and then abandon us. That's not what He does. And so neither can we do that with people. Because God doesn't want to. He wants us to not just speak up once. He wants us to speak up all the time. Now, I will say this. A relationship with God does have a starting point. It does have a beginning. It starts by asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and pledge to follow him. Have you ever done that? If you've never done that, there's a, a prayer. It's in your bulletin notes. I want you to take a moment. I want you to pray it right now. And just like that has a starting point, speaking up for people who can't speak for themselves has a starting point. My hope is that this series has been that starting point for you. 
but it can't be the ending point. You have to find a way to continually speak up and make it a part of who you are. So, bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the ways you've given us that we can speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. And I ask that today you would help us to learn what it means to speak up for people who are poor, that find themselves in a situation that they didn't ask for, but they just simply cannot get out of. And so I ask that you would help us to help them. And in doing so, show them your love. But more than that, Father, I ask that you would help us to be the kind of people that don't just speak up once, but it's a part of our lives. It's a part of who we are. That we get past intentions and we care enough to do something. So use us, Father, to help reach a world that needs you and help us to do it all. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.